Thank you for accepting my thanks for downloading the Mike Prowse Solo Travel Podcast. I'm Mike Prowse, and whether you've burned me onto a CD or ripped me from the cloud, you're in for a treat. These podcasts are my handy guides to the travel that dare not speak its name. Solo Travel. I recently received an email. It reads, Dear Mike Prowse, we saw your picture. You look great. Well, thank you. I'm Sally Kemp. Me and my husband Tom are big fans of your podcast, and we've recently created an app. It's called Parks of London. Would you care to try it out? Thanks, Sally. I did plan to promote your app on social media, but the post-it note with my Twitter password on fell into the bin. However, I can go one better. In this podcast, I'm going to review Sally and Tom's app while giving my own take on the Parks of London. I'm in Victoria Park in Hackney and I've just downloaded Sally and Tom's app. There's some pretty basic graphics here as Tom's head splits in half and a map of the park shoots out. Sally's eyes are spinning round, okay. Zooming in on the map and the text reads, Victoria Park, heavy CCTV at the car park near the toilets. That seems to be it. Frankly, I was underwhelmed. Most historians say that Victoria Park was opened in the 1840s as a gift to the hard-working men and women of Hackney. It's a great story. But the truth is, it was open to create a cholera buffer zone between the upper classes and the nearby poor. A place for the workers to assemble, cough on each other and have a go on the swings. Historical truths like these can be upsetting. I was disturbed in recent years by revelations about some of my favourite Radio 1 DJs of the 70s and 80s. Many of them did not operate their own mixing desks. By 1880, East End workers here in Victoria Park had access to green space for the first time, and their children were learning to swim. One of these grew up to be Dick Dreadnought Daniels. The East End celebrity was seven when his father, driven to despair by a growing family he could not feed, placed bricks in his son's overcoat and gently hurled him into the lake. But incredibly, the seven-year-old battled his way back to the surface. On 19 consecutive days, his exasperated father increased the weight and threw him back in. More bricks, an iron hat, even a full-sized grandfather clock. But every time, the smiling dick powered his way to safety at the side of the lake. Twelve years later, Dick stood on the podium at Crystal Palace, having won front-crawl gold for Great Britain in the 1908 Olympic Games. A statue was quickly erected in honour of his father, whose unwavering commitment to murder had spawned an Olympian. Dick, however, dedicated his win to water. Cold, tepid or boiling, clean or dirty, all water, everywhere. And that week, the increasingly out-of-ideas Hackney Herald dubbed him Dick Daniels, a man who can swim. To the residents of Hackney, however, he'll always be Dick Splash. 
I was rather surprised that Tom and Sally's app had no mention of Hyde Park, because when it comes to fascinating stories, it's riddled with them. On the outbreak of World War II, the park's 142 hectares were given over to vegetable farming as part of the Dig for Victory campaign, while the park's uprooted trees and shrubs were evacuated to Canada, where they remained until VE Day. Hyde Park's famous Speaker's Corner was established by accident in 1855, when Josiah Jenkins stood on a tree stump to ask passers-by which omnibus would take him to Fulham. The ensuing argument lasted three days, as rival speakers stood on their own tree stumps to expound the merits of their preferred routes. Josiah never made it to Fulham. Later on in the war, Winston Churchill became a regular at the corner. Dispirited by the Allies' lack of progress, the PM would attend Speaker's Corner, disguised as an old lady, to vent the fears and concerns he could not reveal in Cabinet. One such occasion is caught in a Pathé newsreel of 1942, when a cigar-chewing, familiar-looking lady yells to the crowd, We're never going to win! We can't crack the code. We're all going to die. The recording was seized by the Special Operations Executive in an operation known as Downbeat Bulldog. Imagine for a second that you've never been in a park. Then remind yourself that you have. Better, isn't it? That's because parks have worked their way into our national psyche. But Tom and Sally's app was having a negative effect on mine. I've made my way to a charming cafe in the iconic Richmond Park. Let's see what the app has to say. Richmond Park. There are deers. Four toilets. Car park locked by 8pm. Regular security patrols of the car park don't bother. Now, frankly, this is weak. No mention of its status as the largest of London's royal parks. So a fitting place to mention London's smallest park, the much-loved Compton's Little Paradise, an eight-inch patch of grass on a traffic island in the middle of the Strand, which is visited accidentally by around 1.9 million Londoners every year. It's also a good time to address an issue which keeps many people away from parks. Personal security. Crime statistics suggest that random muggings are rare. In fact, when you're out and about, you're far more likely to be mugged by someone you know. Here are some of my personal security tips. When you're in a park, walk with confidence. Stiff legs, chest out, eyes in, and don't walk around brandishing your mobile phone. Slip it into the back of your collar, underneath your hairline. Most importantly, keep it simple. If you're in a park and someone you don't like the look of approaches, just say, loud and clear, I don't like the look of you. If this attracts their attention, try a forthright, no. If that doesn't work, remember, Criminals like certainty. They're easily confused. Put them off balance by relentlessly nodding while saying, 
go away. But phrase it like a question. Go away? I'm nodding. Go away? No. No. I don't like the look of you. Go away? Go away? This cognitive confusion strategy is surprisingly effective and recently got me thrown out of the Imperial War Museum. Turns out, it wasn't a pickpocket. It was a suit of armour, and I'd had some bad pork. Back in the park, dusk was falling, and I was concerned when a notification arrived via Sally and Tom's app. It read, Update. Greenwich Park, 8pm onwards. Reduced security due to staff sickness. No monitoring of car park or toilets near Mays Hill. Brad and Emma will be there, plus the usual faces. Solid action, smiley face. Unfortunately, the pieces were falling into place. Covert nocturnal meetups, erratic late-night visits to car parks near public toilets. Sally and Tom's app had left me with one worrying conclusion. They had irritable bowel syndrome. If Sally, Tom, Brad and Emma were campaigners, using the app to mobilise like-minded IBS sufferers as accessible conveniences, good for them. I'd want to see some solid action from the NHS too. I was regretting my initially harsh assessment of their toilet-centric app. Years of foreign cuisine have left my own innards running like iron clockwork, but not everyone's so lucky. Whether it was fundraising or publicity, I wanted to support their cause, so I used their surprisingly secure message board to tell them I was ready to get stuck in. It's early evening in Greenwich Park where quite soon Sally and Tom's support group will hold one of their car park conferences. Before I join them, I couldn't do a podcast about the parks of London without an assessment of one man, Capability Brown. Born in 1716, the landscape gardener's curving, naturalistic lawn designs became hugely popular with the gentry, setting the template for the parks we love today. Less well-known is his rigid contractual system for taking on work. If a project was achievable, Capability Brown would shake on the deal. If it was not, he would appear to landowners in the guise of Incapability Red face the wall and refuse to speak. If the job was achievable but conceptually flawed, Disinclination Green would arrive to mock the serving staff. But in 1755, he went too far, when George II, having requested the installation of a boating lake at St James's Park, was greeted by the appalling visage of Can't Be Asked Orange. Fortunately for us, it was Capability Brown who generally won through, ready to shape our understanding of shared green space. His fame eventually drew him to America, where centuries later, one of his descendants continues to shape public consciousness. The rapper Chris Brown. Oh, it's an update from Sally, Tom and the group. They're over at the car park waiting for me, but they've given me some very specific instructions. 
I dislike secrecy. As a journalist, I once accidentally organised a covert meeting with a disgraced bishop in an empty, well-lit greenhouse. I accepted it was my error, but his decision to wear full liturgical garments and carry a crozier also played a part in his eventual exposure. That's why the measures outlined in Tom and Sally's most recent update have given me cause for concern. It says, Hi Mike, can't wait to meet you, wear dark clothes, flash your lights three times, bring protection. If sufferers of irritable bowel syndrome feel the need to implement security measures like this, it's high time we re-evaluated public attitudes to the disorder. Time for me to sign off, but thanks for accompanying me on this quick tour through the parks of London. I haven't got my car, so flashing my torch... Ah, they've spotted me. Their headlights are flashing. Gosh, and there they are. There's quite a few of them. Let's go and see what they're up to. Bye for now. Go away. No! No! I don't like the look of you! Go away! Go away! No!